What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 148 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we conclude our journey through my 2021 best ball positional tiers for tournaments. And we are joined today by a man who is undeniably on the Mount Rushmore of best ball analysts, the only repeat guest we've ever had, making his third appearance on the DFS Dose, friend of the show, friend in our hearts, James Brimacombe. Welcome to the show, sir. It's great. It's great to have you on once again. Yeah, thanks, Ben and Joey. It's always a pleasure. You guys, you guys do good work, so I'm always happy to come on anytime. Twice yeah, a year, man. that sounds great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and look, guys. I would love to chit chat, but we don't have time for it because in this final episode of our four part series, we're tackling the wide receiver position and by far the deepest position, the most players we got to get to. So we're going to get right into it. If you guys care to, you can find the first three episodes of this series on our YouTube channel, as well as in audio form on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. We talked quarterbacks with high, low FF, tight ends with Todd from PA and running backs with established the runs, Jack Miller. If you're new to the podcast like what you hear you can support us for free by liking this video and subscribing to the channel as well as subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use free simple and easy gentlemen let's get right into it and starting off with tier one of my wide receivers we've got six players in this tier a tier that we've sort of labeled as elite realistic wide receiver one overall upside for the 2021 season Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, and Devontae Adams. James, I'll start with you. And starting off with Tyreek Hill, do you believe that he belongs in this tier with other players, or is he in a tier of his own, sort of the same way we regard Christian McCaffrey as the consensus RB1? Uh, I would say he's definitely the top wide receiver in my rankings. Um, he can do so much in best ball. Uh, regular fantasy any kind of fantasy he is the player he can go off any week so he is definitely my top target so yeah if you want to put him ahead of in a, in a tier by himself that's fine um i also think there's some of these other guys are just just they're great as well so it's i, I would probably keep him in the same tier but he's definitely the wide receiver one yeah i just don't know how many other players in the league if any other players in the league have the upside to go seven for 203 and two and a quarter like we saw him do in week 12 last year um right god i, I hope we were all rostering him on DraftKings that week <laughs> I, I think i was i don't know if you were i don't know if you did i, I don't think i did I, I don't think I um so, so the the main thing with this tier, I think, is, is that we believe these players, or I believe these players, have realistic paths to being the wide receiver one overall. Besides Tyreek Hill, James, who do you think has sort of the second best chance to do so? I'm just gonna bet on offenses this year. So I like I like Diggs and mm. I like Hopkins and, and Adams. If Rogers is there, Adams is the number two wide receiver for me. If he's not there, he's still like wide receiver three, four. So I still wanna. And you can get him at a discount right now. So I don't mind that Adams. I'd probably put DK down one tier. I kind of mm-hmm. have him in a different tier, but Calvin Ridley as well. Like, I don't think you can go wrong. Situation right now there is, yeah, he, he could go nuts. And especially in that division, they're going to need to score points. Um, do we really think Mike Davis is uh, running back one, you know? So Ridley could be uh, elite. He, he could take over. So I like all those guys. I, I, I'm not going to say don't draft any of them. 
Yeah, to, to, to me, the reason I've got Ridley at two here, and you know, with the tiers, it's subjective, like the gaps are very are very small for me. But Ridley, I just think he has the best chance potentially in this entire group to lead the NFL in targets. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with that. And I would probably have him as my wide receiver two or wide receiver three as you do. And it's just the opportunity. There's nobody else in that Falcons offense besides Kyle Pitts that's going to command a lot of touches. And I mean, we've talked about it plenty over the last month or two, but the Falcons did nothing to address the defensive side of the ball. They're going to be horrible. Um, teams in their division got better. They're going to be losing a lot of games. And this is a team that we've seen over the last couple of years be top five, top three in terms of pass attempts per game. Now that could change with Arthur Smith, but personally, I'm not a believer in Mike Davis this year. So I think they're still going to have to pass the ball a ton. And Calvin Ridley is going to be an absolute smash at his uh, wide receiver 580p on underdog right now. Joey, I know that you disagree with Devontae Adams being at the bottom of this tier. Do you want to do you want to make the cases as to why he should be higher? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say I understand why you have them at the bottom touchdown regression. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers situation isn't resolved at this point, but I've said it before. And I'll say it again. I think Rodgers plays for the Packers in 2021. So I'll be drafting a lot of Devontae Adams. He's going what as the wide receiver three. He was going as a wide receiver two a couple months ago. So slight dip, but you could still get him in the second round in best ball drafts. And him and Rodgers just have one of the best connections in the NFL. He's been a career touchdown scorer. And it's kind of not similar with the Falcons. But to me, it is like there's really nobody else there that like I'm truly scared of, of getting touches. Like MVS is average. Alan Lazard is all right. I know that's your boy, Ben. Um, Robert Tunyon, I mean, he averaged, what, like three targets, four targets per game last year. There's there's really nobody else there that I'm afraid of besides Aaron Jones, but he's a running back. So I don't know. I would have Devontae above DK at least and probably D-Hop, but it's Mm -hmm. close. For me, the justification of him being lower is that if you agree with the premise that these players have wide receiver one overall in their range, and we think that that's the reward of drafting Devontae Adams is that he could be the wide receiver one overall, you know, what is the risk? None of these other guys have the risk of their quarterback sitting out. That That's uh, exclusively a Devontae Adams thing. So, you know, Joey and I have talked about it. And, and like he said, he believes Rodgers plays and I believe Rodgers plays too, but our confidence level is very different in that, you know, Joey said 99%, 90% that Rodgers plays with the Packers. I I mean, I, I feel no more confident than 55%. I don't know, James, how do you feel about it? Uh, I just, the, the thing I love about Adam, so it's it's completely different situation than Tyreek, right? So Tyreek's got the quarterback. Tyreek has 80-yard touchdown anytime he's on the field potential. But Adam's also, you just look at those one-yard touchdowns. So even, even if it's Jordan Love, I think Adams is still going, he can, he's still going to get double-digit touchdowns. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I view him. So I, I think right now you're he's slipping to the kind of the mid second, sometimes late second. You get your running back in the first round, and then you go Adams in the second round, and that's mm-hmm. a great great start. Um, so. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's move into our second tier uh, players that I believe have top five in, in terms of what they're potential ceilings could be uh, Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, CD Lamb, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, and Allen Robinson. Now, in terms of ADP, uh, I think the market would suggest that Justin Jefferson belongs in the tier above. He's going neck and neck with DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley. How do you feel about about JJ this year, James, coming off of a historic rookie season? Uh, yeah, that's all baked in with his 
ADP right now is an incredible rookie season. I, I kind of think he's in tier two myself. I kind of view him with uh, DK Metcalf and even AJ Brown. I put those three kind of together. Um, so I have them ranked right beside each other. If I miss on one, I'll take the second. If I miss on the second, I take the third. So mm-hmm. um, that's the beauty of when you rank in tiers, you, you get those similar players but jefferson could explode yeah he could be top top five he could be top three could be top receiver on the year any any of these guys we're talking about have that potential i I mean yeah i definitely agree and that's a point that i wanted to make is if you have dk metcalf in tier one i think him and justin jefferson are in very similar situations just in terms of their offenses and uh, potential target share personally if i was doing it i would have both of them in the same tier so either tier one or tier two however you feel fit i don't think it's correct to have one in tier one and one in tier two i i totally get that and i i hear what you're saying about them being in similar situations to me the the slight difference and it's a very marginal difference is that i think adam thielen is more likely to siphon touchdowns away from Justin Jefferson than anybody in Seattle's offenses. And I also think that Russell Wilson's ceiling is quite a bit higher than Kirk Cousins, which I think translates slightly over to DK Metcalf. Definitely a fair argument, but I just think the opportunity will be there for Justin Jefferson. And he still scored, what, six touchdowns last year, seven touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, Adam Thielen scored 14, but you know, he is getting older, getting to that point where he's 31 now and the ranks have been shifted over to Justin Jefferson and he should be uh, Kirk Cousins go-to target and how many touchdowns did DK Metcalf score did Tyler Lockett score more touchdowns than DK Metcalf Lockett had like four in one week so yeah he had, he had the he had the monster game Metcalf yeah. had 10 uh, 10 uh, though. 10 yeah so I, I don't know I think they're both very very similar um Justin Jefferson averaged 17.1 points per game last year in PPR DK averaged 17 like it, it's hard to put these guys apart I mean mm-hmm. like like James mentioned them two and AJ Brown are like very very close uh together in my opinion well let's talk about AJ Brown I mean James you you mentioned him as being sort of the third guy in your tier along with Metcalf and JJ do you have Brown ranked above the rest of the players I have in this tier uh, I do yeah I have him over Michael Thomas Lamb Al- Allen, Cooper, Robinson. I have him over all those guys. Just, I mean, if they didn't sign Julio, he he was everyone's wide receiver, like right up there with Tyreek, you know? Mm -hmm. That's how high he was. So, I don't know. Tennessee's interesting this year because they're not typically a passing team, but now you you have so many weapons there for Tannehill, so it's kind of interesting. Now, I don't disagree with that, and I think on a weekly basis, his ceiling is, is largely unaffected. So, especially in formats like underdog and DraftKings with playoffs where those, you know, single weeks could be a lot bigger. But on drafters, I'm not sure. I don't think that he really does have top five wide receiver potential. I mean, I had him as my wide receiver four prior to the Julio signing. And I know dropping him down all the way to 14 and tier three is extreme. A lot of people didn't move him that much. But to me, you know, the thing that was putting AJ Brown in that tier was the amount of targets and the potential that his targets could expand massively with the departures of Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, and Adam Humphreys. I don't think that's really a possibility anymore with Julio Jones, Ferkser, and Josh Reynolds basically being one-for-one replacements of those three players. I don't see Brown's targets really expanding from the 7.5 that he saw last year. And, and to me, if you're going to be averaging 7.5 targets per game on a run-first team, I don't know. I, I can't justify that in the second round anymore. That's a fair point. I, you also could 
his targets could be more productive. Like he could be getting better targets. It's say he only gets six targets, six and a half targets this year. So he's losing a target. Julio's opening up things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying though. So be hard to be more efficient than he already was. He was already one of the most efficient wide receivers in the league. Let, let's talk about another player who's had efficiency at times, maybe not so much last year, and that's Michael Thomas. It's pretty stark, the drop-off that he had last year in terms of production. I know he was hurt for a stretch, but he went from being the wide receiver one in points per game in 2019 to being the wide receiver 41 in points per game in 2019. So, James, which of the two years do you think was an anomaly for Thomas? He's he's one of the toughest uh, questions to ask yourself mm-hmm. this year i would kind of play it safe and just take the middle <laughs> if you're a little maybe a little bit higher on the his breakout year than last year so maybe like 75 percent on on that side of it so i think he's if you go running back running back to start out i don't hate going michael thomas third round because that's typically you look at last year everyone was kind of down on stefan diggs going to buffalo always they don't pass josh allen's just gonna rush all touchdowns diggs just had this monster year and I think he was going fourth or fifth round digs. So Michael Thomas, obviously you're going to have to pay a little extra for that, um, but people are definitely down on him and it could pay off for you if you, if you want to take a shot on I, I would rather have him in the fourth round, but I don't think that's ever going to happen this year. Yeah. Joey, what are your thoughts on Michael Thomas? I, I think that Michael Thomas is one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, just from you know a raw talent perspective. And he's been very productive in his career ever since he's came into the NFL besides 2020 he went over a thousand plus receiving yards in every single year of his career over 120 plus targets and every single uh, season in his career besides 2020 obviously we know what Michael Thomas can do if he stays healthy obviously 2020 he got hurt Breeze was hurt too so a couple of obstacles last year I do still think that he's a talented player, but we have to look at the situation. Obviously, there's, you know, that quarterback controversy between Winston and Taysom Hill. And I think to have Michael Thomas in this tier, you would need Winston to start 17 games. And I don't know if he will. So I personally wouldn't have him in a top five upside tier. I would probably put him down at the top of tier four, like confident wide receivers twos, just because of that uncertainty at the quarterback position. That's kind of how I'm viewing Michael Thomas. I don't have many shares and I I think I would rather have probably like the five or six guys below him in in your tears just offering a little pushback. I think it's hard to say that he doesn't have top five upside coming off of, you know, being only two years removed from being the wide receiver one overall. And I mean, if Jameis Winston starts 17 games, I think that he's probably a upgrade on what 2019 Drew Brees was. So I I don't know. I don't, I don't think we can say he doesn't have top five upside. Yeah, but as a player, he does. But you have to look at the situation. Is Jameis really going to start 17 games? We don't know that at this point. You know, we we saw we saw last year that Taysom was the guy when Breeze was out. It wasn't Jameis. It was Taysom Hill. And they still paid him. I know the contract was kind of fugazi, but they still paid him prior to uh, that fake contract. So we we really don't know. And, it, and it's kind of a similar situation to Green Bay, in my opinion, where you bump down Devontae Adams, but you're not bumping down Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where there's a little disconnect. Because if you're... If you're keeping Michael Thomas in the top five upsides here, then, it, it, like I said, it's 
pretty similar to Devonte Adams, but you have him bumped down. I mean, I, I guess the argument, the final word I would say on that is that I think Thomas is already bumped down being it, being at eight. I think that if we knew for sure, Jameis Winston was starting 17, I would put him in tier one. Yeah. I would add one more thing on uh, Thomas. Just, just look at their, the Saints depth chart. Uh, you got Trey Smith again. They're still giving another go to, uh, then you got, Callaway, Deontay Harris, like their depth chart is not great. So, and then you got Troutman. I know your guys' opinion on that. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, there's there's going to be targets no. there for a massive targets. So, De- definitely a lot of targets. It's just with Michael Thomas, you need a massive target season for right. him to reach that top five status. You need him to get 185 targets, which he did in 2019, to finish as the wide receiver one overall because you know that he's not scoring deep touchdowns at the rate that Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs are. Um, so the ceiling is, is kind of capped there, but he could definitely get there on volume. Let's move on to the third tier of players here. And the the margin of difference between tier two and tier three for me is very slight. You know, it's the difference between someone I think has top five upside versus top 10. And in this tier of guys, I think have a top 10 ceiling. It's Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, and Chris Godwin. Gentlemen, what names stand out to you in this group? Everyone always says that the wide receivers, right? Wide receivers are so that these are the rounds you want them, right? So once mm-hmm. you hit, you want to build off your best ball team with these kind of wide receivers but they're all kind of the same to me so i like them all i i guess all these names in this tier the one that i would question would be the rookie chase because i i feel like we are chasing that jefferson season from last year but the problem i have with that jefferson was a 12th round pick last year and people are taking him so now if you want to take chase it's a four it's going to cost you a fourth round pick which is pretty steep in my opinion especially uh the situation with cincinnati right now they have some they have weapons on offense every every position so i don't know how much volume he's going to get especially as a rookie so i i would say we're not Maybe if we get 70% of what Jefferson did last year, that would be a huge win for him. But I'm thinking more along the lines like 50 to 60% of what Jefferson did for Chase. And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been paying for that price for him this year, which could be a huge regret later in the season. (laughs) Joey, give me your thoughts on Jamar Chase. I know that, you know, early in the best ball season pre-draft when he was in the seventh round, you were basically taking him every trip. But now that you have to pay a, you know, a fringe fourth, fifth round uh, price tag for him, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I love Chase. I love him as a player, as a talent. And he probably comes in and is the most talented wide receiver on the Bengals offense. But like James mentioned, there are a lot of players there. And they're very talented players. T. Higgins is going into his second year. They still have Tyler Boyd, who is productive. Joe Mixon, they've been talking up the entire offseason, saying that he's going to get more touches, more receiving work. So it's just it's just a tough situation to, to gauge, I think. He's going as the wide receiver 20 on underdog right now, which is fine. You know, it's a back-end wide receiver too. And, and I, I think that's probably most likely where he finishes um, is a wide receiver too. I don't. I don't think he'll have, you know, the the crazy opportunity to be able to finish inside the top 10. And if he doesn't have the opportunity, he'll have to be really efficient with his touches. And, you know, I, I don't know if he can, especially in a Bengals offense. I, I mean, it's just so hard to bet on bad teams, but they have a lot of talent. Burrow's coming back off of his injury. I, I don't know. I feel like it's just too expensive right now to to buy chase i I hear those arguments and if we're talking about 
best ball like cash games, I would not have him in this tier whatsoever. But when I'm prioritizing upside, I absolutely think the opportunities there. We saw Joe Burrow average 40 attempts per game in, in his 10 starts. And I think he comes in and is immediately the wide receiver one. Despite not having played a snap in the NFL, he comes in and has the most chemistry with Joe Burrow because of what they did in college together. So, you know, Jamar Chase, he has the talent, he has the chemistry with the quarterback, and there should be enough pass volume for him to get there. Uh, I'm, I'm all aboard Jamar Chase this year, but I, I, I could see the cases against him. I think he definitely has the most downside of anybody in this group. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Chase in the seventh round, as you mentioned. It's just hard to put him in this tier with, you know, guys like A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, wide receivers that have shown already that they could do it are proven assets. Um, and I, and I think they have comparable ceilings. So like I said, he's probably in the tier below for me. I think he's a wide receiver too, but he'll definitely have spike weeks here and there. I'm just more concerned about Cincinnati as an offense in general, because, you know, it's just hard to bet on bad teams. I don't think Zach Taylor is that great of a head coach. You know, they didn't address the offensive line. So meanwhile, Joe Burrow, you know, he he was slinging the rock last year. He didn't have many good fantasy games. So the quarterback isn't having many good fantasy games. It's hard for the wide receivers to have, you know, great fantasy games. That's fair. Let, let's uh, transition into tier four here, a group of confident wide receiver twos, high-end wide receiver threes, if you're able to land them in that spot on your best ball rosters. Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, both Rams receivers and Cup and Woods. Got Higgins here, uh, DJ Chark, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Thielen, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, and Robbie Anderson. Gentlemen, I'll, I'll let you take it in whatever uh, direction you want, James. The ones, the names that stand out to me are Julio Jones uh, and DJ Moore. Those are two guys I'm higher on than most, maybe heading into this year especially dj Moore, i just i'm gonna keep drafting him every year kind of see him a little bit higher uh, i like beckham i think if you can get him land him as your wide receiver three wide receiver four it's like a great spot for a rebound season t Higgins, have no problem with so i would say dj shark i would drop down to another tier um, as far as these other names, kind of like them all. Uh, Thielen, I'm kind of, I'd rather let other people draft them, but if I get them, I value it, I'll find it. Galladay is kind of the same. I'm I'm kind of letting him slip a little bit, but all these other names I'm fine with. Uh, the Rams receivers, I'm not really sure which way to go. So it's usually, I'm not reaching for either one of them, but if one falls to me, um, when some of these other names I like a little bit better. So I, that's kind of how I value them. So I'm not getting crazy amounts of shares of the Rams guys. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's really difficult to differentiate which of those guys should be the priority between Woods and Cup. And Woods is pretty consistently going higher, especially on full PPR sites. So I, I've ended up with quite a bit more Cooper Cup. And the other note I want to say, just sort of a general note, is that while I have Odell Beckham at the top of this tier, it's not where I'm drafting him because his ADP is actually probably the lowest in this group. Maybe he's above uh, Robbie Anderson at the bottom, but you know his ADP is below just about everybody else in this tier. So he is going to be one of my most owned players because I value him higher or in comparison to these guys, but you don't have to take him there. So he's, he's a guy that I'm drafting a ton of at, you know, the back end of the sixth, early seventh. Joey, uh, who are some names uh, that stand out to you? I know that you're higher on DJ Chark, I think, than James. Yeah, I, I think I am. <laughs> I just like DJ Chark as a player. I like his athletic profile very fast. He has, you know, great agility, great burst. He just has the prototypical build of an alpha wide receiver one in the NFL, 6'3", you know, 200. 
100. I just think he's a great all-around wide receiver, and he's going to be the wide receiver one for Jacksonville. I, I know there's a lot of uh, steam behind LaVisca Chenault, uh wide receiver one season. Um, I, I don't know if I'm ready to give the edge to him over Chark, just because Chark has proven to be a capable wide receiver in the NFL sophomore year he went over a thousand yards on 118 targets scored eight touchdowns with terrible quarterback play so with trevor lawrence incoming i think dj chark is primed for a great season and he's going as the wide receiver 31 which is the second lowest wide receiver adp in this tier behind robbie anderson so Uh i like dj chark and you can get uh you know a high ceiling guy i think in the seventh, eighth round in best ball. I, I love it. Any other names in this tier that you guys want to hit on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Julio Jones is probably correct in this tier, but I do like him. We talked about A.J. Brown earlier. I, I think the only options in that Titans offense are A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in terms of the passing game. Like, I'm not worried about Anthony Ferkser. I'm not worried about Josh Reynolds. We know Derrick Henry isn't going to catch any passes. So it's the Julio Jones and A.J. Brown show. And if the Titans offense stays efficient, like we've seen it in uh, recent seasons, I think that Julio Jones could probably smash his ADP at wide receiver 16 on underdog. And other than that, I think this is probably the most correct tier, in my opinion. And I'm drafting a lot of these guys, especially, you know, in the fourth, fifth, sixth round when I'm most likely fading running backs in that same range. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys had a chance to catch our running back episode with Jack Miller, we really hit on the running back dead zone and optimal drafting in terms of roster construction. And, you know, this is the range where you want to be hitting these wide receivers hard. So I think that, you know, that's probably the the correct choice, James. I know that you like to get weird sometimes with roster construction. Uh, how, how do you how do you feel about that uh, sort of thought that's really becoming sort, sort of mainstream is that we need to smash wide receivers in this range? Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all great names. So yeah, I'm not gonna be mad if I try if any of these guys are on my team. So I I, I agree. Like I, I don't think there's one set way to to draft a team. So mm-hmm. that that kind of gets me frustrated sometimes when people are pounding the table. You gotta do this yeah. roster construction and can't draft this position over this position. But yeah, there's a million with different ways to draft. So I, I, the one thing I do think is a big deal that no one really talks about is how you find values on players. Talking about the wide receivers in general. So. It really comes down to how people view that player from the year before that any news that's come out on that player recently is going to affect where they fall in drafts. So mm-hmm. you get you get Beckham. He had a bad year. He was injured last year. So now you got him in tier four and Galladay slipping because of that. Uh, you get the Pittsburgh wide receivers. You're finally starting to see a Pittsburgh receiver. And also when you have teams that have two or three really good receivers, um, they're getting pushed down the board some which i don't think matters as much in best ball so i think you can take one the wide receiver one two or three on that team um that's kind of where i was a little bit out on dj shark because i feel like they have lavisca and they have marvin jones so they have three guys and to me um they're all kind of equal and i would say the same in the next year we're going to talk about the miami guys so there's three guys there and to me they're all the same i don't well, the third one that comes to me at a value, that's the one I'm going to take. So I think a lot of people now in June, we we hardly have any news. So any kind of news that comes out is going to push guys up and down the board when they probably should just kind of be staying where they are. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we can transition into that tier, tier five, which I've got labeled as just the weak winners tier. You know, these are guys that I think are probably going to be relatively inconsistent on a week to week basis, but they can come in and just absolutely smash when when they hit their upper percentile outcomes. And it's Devontae Smith, Chase Claypool, Michael Gallup, my son this year, Will mm-hmm. Fuller, Jalen Waddle, and Cortland Sutton. And, and let's start off with Devontae Smith. I mean, we've got the man known as Eagles on the podcast. So let's talk about the Eagles first round pick this year he's starting to get pretty hyped up and it's probably only going to build once all the practices and training camps and everything start like people are just gonna the beat writers are going to be all over him and best he looks like the best eagle out there right so he's going to continue to rise in adp kind of like regular last year right we want Mm -hmm. we want a guy they have no receivers we want to put a guy there as the guy so i think a lot of people are going to be doing that um, just how we've had rookie receivers last year just go off. So I think I don't mind him right now. I think he's a decent price, but in about a month he's going to be overpriced. So if you mm-hmm. if you like him, get him now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does. But I'm kind of off all the Eagles this year. I learned my lesson last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that take because again, it's just hard for me to think that this is going to be a team that's going to be passing the ball a lot right like I think it'll be definitely a run first team especially if if Jalen Hurts continues the way that he did as the starter last year so I I just don't know I think it'll be hard to predict which guy and Jalen Rager is getting some hype too uh this offseason as well I I I mean I think Devontae Smith right now at ADP is probably a better buy than Jamar Chase if we're just you know looking Mm -hmm. at at the rookies like like we talked about Jamar Chase was that seventh round wide receiver that I was smashing as a rookie now that's probably Devonte Smith. I mean, they really have nobody else there. Like the opportunity is plentiful for Devonte Smith. Uh, they have Jalen Rager, but I don't, I don't know how good he is. They have Dallas Goddard and pretty much nobody else. Uh, so I think him and Jalen Hurts can can do some good things for the Eagles in 2021. So I like Devonte Smith a lot. He's going as the wide receiver 33 on underdog right now. So I, I like buying him at that price. And honestly, he he probably has has a very good chance to finish as the uh, rookie wide receiver one when the season is over. I mean, calling Travis Fulgham nothing is is a little disrespectful. <laughs> Man, that depth chart is so hard to look at at times <laughs> after those top two receivers. <laughs> well, you know, a depth chart that's not hard to look at is the Dallas Cowboys depth chart at wide receiver. When your wide receiver three is Michael Gallup, you're in a great spot. And to me, Michael Gallup is arguably the best value in drafts right now. Uh, James, what are your thoughts on Gallup this season? Yeah, he's always the guy that people just forget it feels like. Uh, so yeah, I have no problems with him. I, he's been a staple of my drafts for this will be the third year going. But yeah, you want those are the kind of receivers you just want to build on those young guys, good offenses, potential to have great weeks for you. And then if the guys in front of them go down, I mean, you're in for a monster season, so I think it's a great bet. Uh, in this tier you have, I would I would put Claypool, then Gallup. That's kind mm-hmm. of how I would go out of, the, out of those guys you have. So those are the two that I think have the most upside and have great opportunities and just touchdown potential and you name it. So Right. And you, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, the last season, the perception of last season sort of really affects people more than maybe it should. And I think that that's clear cut the case with Michael Gallup. I mean, we were a year removed from Gallup being the wide receiver 18 in points per 
game in PPR and also being essentially neck and neck with Amari Cooper in terms of production. And now Cooper is going, what, four, five rounds, you know, higher than Michael Gallup. I don't know if that's deserved. Gallup is young. He's in a contract year, ran the second most routes of any wide receiver in the NFL last year. And if he does that again, and his yards per catch is closer to what it was in 2019 when it was 16.8. And when he was putting up 1100 yards and six touchdowns, he's going to absolutely smash ADP. And I just, I can't get enough of him. I was drafting him in the ninth round. I'll, I'll draft him in the eighth round. And if he gets up to the seventh, I'll still be taking him. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Gallup and I like all of, all of these players in these tiers because these are the guys that have crazy high ceilings. Will Fuller, I think is is a great buy too. Um, we saw what he could do last year when he stayed healthy. He he was a top eight wide receiver in terms of points per game in PPR last year. So I love Will Fuller. I like Chase Claypool. I like Gallup. Uh, Waddle. I, I don't I don't know about his ceiling just just because there is a lot of competition for touches. So I don't I don't really know about him personally. And then Cortland Sutton, I, I think is fine as well. Um, obviously torn ACL last year, but he he was very productive in 2019. So I, I think this is a very solid tier. Yeah, Sutton to me has the talent and potential opportunity to be in a tier above in, in the fourth tier. And that's actually where he's getting drafted, I would say, in terms of yes. ADP is above all of these guys. But to me, it's just the Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater duo is god awful. I, yeah, I want almost no parts of that. And you know, we we haven't really seen him in congruence with Jerry Judy and Jerry Judy. I know, you know, some people have mixed thoughts on him, but he was regarded as one of the best wide receivers coming out last year. And, you know, just with shaky quarterback play and uncertainty about who the true alpha is between the two of them. I, I'm a little skeptical about Sutton at ADP. In my opinion, Sutton is the uh, wide receiver one for the mm. Broncos and, and Judy would be the wide receiver too. If I had to put it, I think that's the popular take. Let's transition into tier six, which I think is sort of the inverse of the tier. We just discussed a bunch of guys with potentially low floors, but high ceilings. I think these are guys with low ceilings, but very high floors. Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Brandon Cooks. James, how do you handle these types of wide receivers in best ball where, you know, maybe they're not going to be posting the ceiling games, but the consistency is likely, and they're likely going to outproduce this ranking in terms of where they finish at the end of the year? I think these kind of players are key to your builds because nobody really wants them. Nobody they're not they're not great names they're but but every week you look at week to week on their seasons and you're gonna you're gonna see some decent numbers you're like oh man if if you didn't see the name compared to the numbers mm-hmm. that, i think that right there goes like people want the young receivers people want the better than wide receiver one on the team um but these are the kind of guys that you want to build when we talk about yeah those wide receivers you want to build a huge core of wide receivers i'm all right with all four of these kind of names so mm-hmm. i would say brandon cooks is a little bit of a discount right now like houston's so bad but somebody needs to step up somebody they're going to be losing so many games and and maybe he just gets knocked out the first couple of weeks and he's hurt and then it's a bunch of their cutie and who knows who's catching balls at that point but but i i kind of like cooks at at his cost right now and these guys are usually typically going to be your wide receiver five on your team i would say yeah and they're going to fill in for bye weeks they're going to be flex potential every week and if the guys in front of them go down you're getting more value so yeah i like them all joey uh brandon cooks thoughts i know that you've uh had some thoughts about him in the past. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Brandon Cooks because you know he's just a bitch. But um, <laughs> I, I would, I would tend to agree just with with the thought of this tier as these are guys that are high floors 
And honestly, they'll they'll probably compete to be in your best ball lineups every week. Like they're not the sexy names. And I've probably undervalued these guys up to this point um, of the offseason as well. But just taking a look at ADP, I'll list them off for you guys. Tyler Boyd is a wide receiver 36. Juju is the wide receiver 37. And then we have Brandon Cooks as the wide receiver 42. Jarvis Landry as the wide receiver 45. I mean, if, if you're just looking at the whole season, they're they're gonna 100% beat this ADP one, 1 million percent just in terms of their wide receiver finishes all four of them all four of them will I, I will 100% mark that down like they will but do they have like the 25 point 30 point ceilings that we want in best ball they don't like James said they could fill in for your bye weeks they're your wide receiver fives and they're going to be consistent so we probably do undervalue these guys um as fantasy football players and and drafters a lot of the times for me it comes down to the types of wide receivers that I've started my my builds with so if I have guys that I think have inconsistent floors but high ceilings you know I've got a bunch of DJ Chark or Devonte Smith Chase Claypool's you know building the beginning of my team then I'm definitely making a concerted effort to get these guys to sort of, you know, balance out those players low weeks. I think that's really important, especially in formats like underdog and DraftKings with playoffs. And, you know, you still do have to be in the top two of the league to advance. Um, mm-hmm. If I, if I'm got a bunch of really consistent wide receivers, you know, I, I start wide receiver, wide receiver, I get Hill and Diggs or something like that, or Adams and Diggs. I just don't know how frequently these guys are going to be topping those players. So I might be looking to transition, you know, as we move past the running back dead zone back into taking shots on some guys, you know, the the Bucks running backs, Damian Harris, et cetera, in, in this ADP range. So to me, it's definitely a roster construction question, but like Joey said, these guys are clear cut bets to outproduce their ADPs. Mm-hmm. Moving on to tier seven and eight, and we can talk about them in congruence. I'm not going to list all the names because there's just way too many of them. But um, to me, the difference in these tiers are marginal. I'm looking at these as speculative shots, players with wide ranges of outcomes. And the only difference separating the two tiers to me is just how likely I think that they are to hit the upper percentile of their range. But, you know, we've got receivers 41 through 64 in this tier. So, I mean, you guys can just hit on whatever names you really feel like stand out. Uh, to me, the, this is kind of the wide receiver group that I I really like to build build upon. So mm-hmm. I feel like even the ones earlier I do like. Um, they're going to cost you a little bit more, but I, I I love the names like Michael Pittman. You got the young receiver could break out, could be who knows what Wentz is going to do, right? But you also get potential wide receiver one on that team um, mm-hmm. could have a huge year. I love Mike Williams. I think he's starting to rise. People are talking about him. Early first round pick that really has been fighting injuries and throughout his career. But now he has the quarterback and for a full season. So he could be a big breakout. Curtis Samuel, he's he's been pretty special last year, just what he accomplished. And now he's going to Washington, who everyone's excited about that team. So those are a few players in tier seven that i i re- really stand out to me some of those i, I, I kind of like debo samuel as well i just think 49ers if trey lance is who everyone thinks he's going to be that offense is going to be fun you're going to want a piece of that so he's an inexpensive way to get to get some of the 49ers and then like chanel yeah, i'm fine with um judy i'm fine with but also we go back to denver we just the quarterbacks are just devaluing those receivers so yeah i don't mind taking them uh 
Hollywood Brown and Bateman, Baltimore is interesting. We could have Lamar just break out crazy season, and one of those guys could be the guy. But I've been on Hollywood Brown for a couple of years, so I've kind of been dropping him down a little bit. I don't mind drafting him, but but I'm not going to overdraft him this year. So it's kind of how I feel about the tier seven there. So I'm not sure what Joey thinks. I I, I like these guys, but I don't, I don't really draft much of any of these players. Honestly, um, I, I just don't really know about their ceilings. If I had to pick one guy that I think is a little lower than consensus would probably be Debo Samuel. I, I think you could have him in the tier above. I, I think he's the clear cut, either wide receiver one or wide receiver two on that Niners offense, and we've seen what he can do. Um, consistent leader in the NFL in terms of yards after the catch, and he you know, forces missed tackles at one of the highest rates at wide receiver. So I like Debo Samuel's talent, and I like the situation that he's in. That's a guy that I would probably have up. But other than that, I think this is you know a pretty pretty solid tier, and probably the, the biggest disagreement or I don't want to say disagreement, but probably the 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 guy that I would say you're lower on is probably LaVisca Chenault after all of this uh, offseason hype. I think people would have him in, in a tier or two above this tier, honestly. It's hard because I want to be high on Visca. I really do. So I don't know what to do with it. It's just to me, there's just I just have no idea what this offense is going to do. And I was buying LaVisca a lot when he was going, you know, his ADP was past 100. You know, he was going in this range with Mike Williams and Pittman for a long time in the in the offseason in best ball drafts. And I was I was taking that value because I value him around these players clearly. But, you know, now if he's going in the eighth round, like, God, I don't I just don't know if I can stomach that with DJ Chark. And I think Travis Etienne is going to be heavily involved, especially in some of the ways that people wanted LaVisca Chenault to be involved. And I, I just don't know if the reality is set in just hitting on Debo Samuel there. Um, you know, you both mentioned him as someone that you're potentially higher on. I know that I'm way below in, in terms of where I have him ranked versus ADP. To me, it's just, I think that this team is going to remain a run first team over the past three seasons. They finished 16th, 20th, and 31st in pass attempts per game. And, you know, Joey, you called him the clear cut, you know, either wide receiver one or wide receiver two. I mean, I think that he's the clear cut third option. In, in the 49ers passing game behind Ayuk and behind George Kittle. And yeah. if it's going to be a low volume passing attack, I just I just don't have that much interest in Debo Samuel. I know he's a talented player, but his ADP is really the concern for me. He's going way too high. I think that the Niners, when he's healthy, manufacture touches to Debo Samuel. You know, they, they get crazy in how they give him touches with those little jet sweeps and screens um, out of the backfield. So I think that his... And Brandon Ayuk's touch comparison is very similar. I don't think Ayuk's going to get like 50 more touches Mm -hmm. than Debo Samuel. I think they'll be very close. So it's kind of hard to have Ayuk in in tier four and then have Debo Samuel in tier seven when in reality, um, if they're both healthy, they'll they'll probably both finish near each other in fantasy points if the offense is the concern and the volume. Yep, that's that's definitely a fair point. James, we need to hear your Gabriel Davis take. I mean, Joey and I talk about this damn near every week, so both of our takes are well on record. I love Gabriel Davis. I mean, you could go as far as to call him this year's Darius Slayton for me, but but James, t- tell me what you think about Gabriel Davis. I mean, I've got him quite a bit higher in terms of my rankings than where he's going in ADP. Yeah, so it's, it's funny that 
people just want to talk about Cole Beasley there for a while um, before all this other news came out and that he's the great value. And every year he puts up these massive points for you. And then everyone wants to talk about Sanders is coming to Buffalo. He's going to be tied to Josh Allen, blah, blah, blah. But how old is Sanders? He's pretty old. So. Like 34. <laughs> old as dirt. But then we want to, we want to, we want these young wide receivers and all these other teams. And we're so, we want to talk them up and, great value and could smash this year could win your league but nobody talks about davis which is crazy on the bills he scored seven touchdowns last year which is crazy but yeah i just think his adp doesn't make sense to me so i think he's a great and i know you have him this tier i know i didn't mention him but he's a value because you can get these players and then you can come back around later and get him so yes. yeah yeah he's i think he's a guy you want to build around um especially for best ball like seven touchdowns as a rookie and then you got sanders and all this beasley drama going on and Diggs. like beside Diggs, he's yeah he could get a t- 10 touchdowns and I, I don't think that's out of possibility yeah, I, I think he absolutely could. I mean, he only had one less touchdown than Stefan Diggs, and he had 104 less targets. I mean, he had three more touchdowns than Cole Beasley on 45 less targets. I, I think Gabriel Davis is that dude. He earned playing time immediately. I know that John Brown missed time, but still, Davis played over 60% of snaps in 10 games. Like you said, like I have no concerns about Emmanuel Sanders. I'm sorry. I am not worried about that. This is, a, <laughs> this is a young man's game, and Gabriel Davis, touchdown score, seventh in the NFL in average target distance last year. And we know Josh Allen's got an absolute cannon. His yards per catch was 17.1, which is just absolutely elite. Average 9.7 yards per target. It's top 20 in the league, and he did it as a rookie. We know the volume's going to be there passing-wise in this Bills offense. I mean, God, when he was a 14th-round pick, I literally drafted him in every <laughs> single draft. And now I've backed off just in terms of exposure because if he gets hurt, um, I- I'm probably going to be bankrupt mm-hmm. this year. But no, Yeah, I mean, solid arguments for Gabriel Davis and he probably is in this tier like I'm not disagreeing with the tier there's just other players that I would rather have above him and you know I'll go to say like Emmanuel Sanders had more 20 point games last year than Gabriel Davis you know on a on a worse offense Drew Brees was hurt um so I I just feel like there's a wide range of outcomes with Gabriel Davis I mean he only had 62 targets and that'd be kind of hard not to beat especially if he's on the field early in the season um because because we kind of saw him come on late in the season but this isn't a guy that's going to average more than six targets per game I'm just sorry to to burst your bubble here as long as Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders are healthy and they're on the football field Gabe Davis is not going to average more than six targets per game so you're kind of hoping he gets there on those two or three deep shots and we know that those are just like high variance throws and obviously they they could break right in his favor they kind of did last year but they could not so I don't know he he's a guy that I've drafted some but I'm not going too hard on him I got two more players in this group that I want to talk about the first is Henry Ruggs gentlemen are we completely out on Henry Ruggs absolutely James I I like him (laughs) I like him too I like him too Give, give us the case for Ruggs I'm all about that Ruggs just like like any of my how I draft any of my players it's all about value and and opportunity and i just think the raiders people for some reason they don't like the raiders um so all their players just slip down the draft board so rugs is just one of those uh obviously people are looking at last season he was a high draft pick and he just hasn't proven anything yet but he got aguilar's out of there they 
brought in what John Brown rugs could be their top guy. Just like Aguilar put up numbers last year. So, mm-hmm. and I just think he was kind of dinged up last year. So who knows what a healthy rugs can do in the offense. So you get so the depth chart, Henry rugs, John Brown, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards. Why couldn't rugs have a huge season? I don't, I don't understand why he's so low in, in, ADP. So I, I'm I'm buying him as wide receiver five six on my team. So I think it's a great upside play. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's only been a year since they drafted him as the first overall wide receiver in last year's draft. You know, a draft that saw Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and and Jalen Rager go in the first I mean, round. That, so. That's just the Raiders being the Raiders, though. That's not <laughs> that's not an indication on Henry Ruggs' talent because he was less talented than all of those guys. That's just the Raiders. He was not less t- talented than Jalen Rager. I mean, coming out of the draft, a lot of people had Rager above Henry Ruggs. Mm, But, I mean, he's definitely less talented than CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson. And that's just the Raiders being a terrible organization. That's not an indication on Henry Ruggs' talent. I mean, by, I mean, by any means. He's just a deep threat. <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's literally just a deep threat. You know, that, that's all he is. He's a burner, okay? So he has that ceiling. If, he, if it hits, you know, you're, you're lit. Right. Because he has that skill set like a Tyree kill where he could take the top off a defense score touchdown anytime he touches the ball. But, you know, Darren Waller is obviously the clear cut alpha in that Raiders offense. And then you combine that with the fact that, you know, Derek Carr doesn't really support many fantasy assets. And we've seen it over the course of his career. I don't even remember him supporting any, you know, clear cut uh, fantasy where he supported both Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. Oh. Okay. So, so, so one season out of seven or eight and just the, just the Raiders. I mean, they're, they're just a train wreck. I want no part of their offense. You know, they went out and drafted Josh Jacobs in the first round and then they go out and sign Kenyon Drake to $10 million. So this is a team that I have no faith in to do the right thing and to get Henry Ruggs touches. So I, I I mean, he, he's in this tier for sure, but like, no, like I I don't care about Henry Ruggs. Like, you're, you're basically you're basically calling him John Ross 2.0. I, I I mean it's not it's not really I don't know if it's him as a player. It's just a situation like Derek Carr. I don't I would just feel like he doesn't really throw that many deep throws. You know maybe that's just kind of like we kind of look at him as a deep threat just because he's like a burner. Uh, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he's like a better all around wide receiver than I'm giving him credit for. But I I, I don't know. I, I I just I don't know about Henry Ruggs. I'll say that. Last guy I want to hit on in this group is Paris Campbell. Um, you know this is a guy who's been thoroughly derailed by injuries up to this point in his career. And I have him in tier eight compared to where we had Michael Pittman and James, you know, made the point that Pittman could be the wide receiver one in Indy. I think that there is a chance that that could be Paris Campbell as well. And you're getting him quite a bit later. Um, You know, I know we saw him be productive for one week and, you know, T.Y. Hilton's still there. And, you know, Paris Campbell, I think was originally drafted to be the T.Y. Hilton uh, replacement. It just never really panned out, like I said, due to injuries. Um, Joey, I know that you are a, a Paris Campbell believer as well. Yeah, I've I've been a Paris Campbell believer over the last couple of seasons. Um, he was drafted in what the second round by the Colts. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I like him as a player. I like his talent, but it, it's hard. It's hard to buy him after you know him missing pretty much two full seasons in his career so far. And uh, I don't know. I don't have many uh, shares of Paris Campbell this year. Kind of kind of staying away just in terms of the tier. Like I, I have more uh, Traquan Smith. I have more Perryman. 
I have more Darnell Mooney than uh, Paris Campbell. That's fair. James, are, do you have any interest in Paris Campbell uh, coming into year three? It's uh, just kind of like Joey, and I don't usually think about what happened last year. I'm not I'm yeah. using that in my favor, but for some reason, Paris Campbell, I was so high on him the last yeah, couple same. of years, and I, <laughs> I don't usually feel like I get burned by a player, so I'm not going to go back to him. But for some reason, I, I haven't been pulling the trigger on Campbell, and maybe it's because I do like Pittman, and I kind of like, T.Y. Hilton, too, still. So that's probably why I'm a little bit off Campbell. Interesting. Well, speaking of T.Y. Hilton, he is in my second to last tier as we close things up here in tier nine. This is sort of like uh, the lower tier version of the tier we discussed earlier with Boyd, Landry, and Juju, but just guys that I think are a little bit lower on that scale as guys with there. They're probably going to finish quite a bit higher than where I have them ranked, but I just don't know what the upside is. Sterling Shepard, Nelson Aguilar, Russell Gage, T.Y. Hilton, and and at 69, Cole Beasley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, this is, you know, pretty much very similar to your tier six. Just guys that are most likely going to outperform their ADP in terms of wide receiver finishes, but you just kind of don't really know what what you're going to get out of them. Uh, if I had to move one guy up, it would probably be Aguilar. The Patriots went out, uh, made it a priority to sign him on like the first or second day of free agency, gave him what, like 20 million or or $17 million. So I think he's going to be involved in the offense and uh, somebody has to catch passes for the Patriots. Um, I I know people don't want to believe that, but they do. And Nelson Aguilar is probably the guy uh, along with Jacoby Myers, who's in tier 10. Um, So those are the two Patriots wide receivers that I would be buying. But other than that, you know. These, these are guys that they'll probably be consistent and are probably undervalued in uh, fantasy. Yeah, I, I feel that. I mean, it, it's hard for me to not want to move Cole Beasley up. Like if we're looking at the numbers and the targets he should see in the Bills offense, the science would lead you to believe that he should be higher. But I think it's God's will that uh, he's at 69 here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he finished as the wide receiver 27 in PPR last year, like a high end wide receiver three. And he's being drafted um, on underdog as I think he's way higher, right? He's um, getting uh, drafted at, in like the 10th, 11th round. Yeah, he's he's being drafted as the wide receiver 57. So, I mean, he'll 100% outperform that. And I, I, I like Cole Beasley. Um, so, so shout out, shout out to him. I know he's been kind of a, a big figure, but <laughs> shit. He he walked into the flames on Twitter. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. Um, yeah, but I mean, he he put up a twenty-two, a twenty-eight, a twenty-seven point game, a nineteen-point game last year um, in full PPR. So I mean, he's capable of putting up spike weeks, and he's probably undervalued right now. Yeah, over the last two years, he's guaranteed to give you a monster game on Thanksgiving. So you guys can uh, at least pencil that in. That's a fact. <laughs> pencil that in on DraftKings ahead of time, uh, James. So you mentioned Ty Hilton. Do you want to make the case for him? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't love him, but if he's if he's there at the end of my drafts, um, like 14th round or whatever, I don't mind grabbing him. I think I looked at the, I have the notes here, but I looked at Hayden Winks. He posted kind of all this data for underdog and yes. the teams that made the playoffs and moved on, whatever. But T.Y. Hilton, Hilton was right there as, uh, maybe it wasn't him, maybe it was the strength of schedule last year. That's what I looked at. So it was the last like three or four weeks of the strength of schedule. T.Y. Hilton was like wide receiver seven or eight. So he had an awful start to the season, but he kind of came on there. Um, I don't think the Colts are awful. 
So, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to take Beasley over Hilton, fine with that. If you want to take Gage over Hilton, fine with that. But I just, I think Hilton still has a little bit there. The Colts are being discounted and nobody likes Wentz, uh, rightfully so. But in this tier, just like Joey, Nelson Aguilar would be one. They spent the money. I would move him up. Uh, also, Sterling Shepard is just a guy that probably not going to win you leagues because he's going to have an explosive week. But I, I don't mind him as just kind of a, a guy that could help you get through some weeks, um, like as a wide receiver, six, seven, eight on your team. So, yeah, Shepard is the guy in this tier I've ended up with the most of just because of his ADP. I mean, he's going five, six rounds later than Beasley and Gage. Um, are either of you fans of Gage? He's he's somebody that I've got way lower than consensus. Yeah, I'm, it's it's too expensive for me. Uh, people are just Julio's gone, so let's move Gage up four rounds. Like, I'm not I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> so, I'd rather go zero tight end and take Hayden Hurst as the last round guy over Gage, where what where his price is. Yeah. If I'm looking I mean, for target. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's fair i don't have many gauge uh shares either and he he's going above some of the guys that you have you know in the tier above like he, he's going above gabriel davis Aguilar, uh henry ruggs uh bateman so kind of an expensive price but somebody has to catch passes in atlanta especially if uh, matt ryan is throwing the ball 40 plus times um he he could see a decent target share but i feel like he's just going to be the guy that'll that'll get you six for 60 or seven for 55 or 60 yards and get you the 12 13 points every week which it, it is valuable but not not the spike week guy that some may believe that he is i mean if you're drafting russell gage over gabriel davis you might as well just paypal me you know whatever you were going to enter into that tournament to be honest <laughs> like, be a better use of money um hey, i mean i don't know i think uh russell gage will have more targets than gabe davis for sure that, we could take, i mean we, we can take a, this offline i'll put however much you want on gabriel davis i'll, I'll produce and gage uh, uh, gage has played 45 career games and has five touchdowns so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. but hey he he has a hundred target season in his in his belt. Um, mm. I don't know if Gabriel Davis will have over a hundred targets. Well, gentlemen, let's close this out with our final tier. You know, these are these are guys. I mean, God, I've got. 27 names in this tier definitely too many to list and these are just sort of guys that you know i think they're wide receiver eights or or nines or tens depending on the construction you go with but maybe there's somebody in this range that you believe needs to be in a tier above joey actually i'll start with you because i've got darius slate in here is it over for our boy godius it might be over say it ain't so we were we were drafting them in in you know, the ninth, 10th round last year, heavy. And it's just sad to see how far he's fallen. I've drafted a couple shares of him just because of like the skill set that he has deep threat. And I still think he's going to be on the field, but you know, they went out, drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round, who's going to come in and compete for touches, went out, signed Kenny Galladay, who's, you know, that alpha wide receiver one that you want so it's probably gg for darius slayton and it was it was was a good run maybe he he leaves new york's in the couple seasons and we we can go back to him but it's 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 over it's over in terms of bit equity i've drafted a ton of him um he's still one of my highest owned players just because i'm like you know if, if i do ship one of these best ball tournaments I want Slayton on my roster just to say I never gave up. <laughs> <laughs> James, who who stands out to you in this tier of wide receiver eights or above? Uh, there's a lot of names I like here. So I like uh, Valdez Scanling. I, I feel like uh-huh. he had a good end of the season. He had 
decent playoff. Um, yeah, they drafted well, Amari Rogers. Yep. But I still, I still think he's the wide receiver too in Green Bay. So he's pretty much always there at the end of drafts, the last round. So I don't mind him. Uh, Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I think he's got some equity and just. I mean, somebody has to catch passes in New England. Um, what other names do I like? I like. I think uh, these last rounds, you do want to target those wide receivers. Uh, you just saw Claypool was last year was a 17th, 18th round pick, and sometimes he wasn't even drafted in drafts. Um, same with T. Higgins. So mm-hmm. there's, there's going to be a couple of these rookie wide receivers that are going to produce mm-hmm. for you. For you. Yeah. So you just kind of have to figure which one it is. So yeah. I kind of like Nico Collins just because Houston's so bad. We can't really trust, maybe can't trust Brandon Cooks. So I still like Brandon Cooks, but... Yeah, Collins could be a guy. I, I love Van Jefferson. I think he is yeah. being underdrafted. He's one of my my flyers. My latest for the this month is Van Jefferson. So I'm all over him. Keelan Cole. Yeah, he's getting talked up. Uh, I think another name that's under the radar still. Some people are on is uh, Marquise Calloway. So yeah. just like we we talked about Michael Thomas. Uh, not a lot of competition, but uh, if Callaway, he could break out. He could get more targets. Um, he could be a factor. So I think mm-hmm. he's a little cheap. Uh, KJ Hamler, I don't mind. But again, we're in Denver. Brian Edward, Brian Edwards, um, I'm going to take some shots on Raiders. So I'd rather take Brian Edwards than Renfro or... So I'm kind of on Ruggs and, and Edwards. Those are the Vegas guys. Obviously, you have uh, Darren Waller. That is the guy. So if you don't believe in any of these Raiders receivers, Darren Waller should be like a first-round pick for you. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and to close out, a couple other guys, like Josh Reynolds, I don't mind. I think since Julio went there, people are just like, he's garbage, nothing. But, yeah, he dropped five, six rounds just because of that news. Uh, Dynami Brown. Yeah, maybe take a shot with him, Washington. So, Joey. Yeah, I mean, I I like a lot of the guys that James mentioned, and just from like a roster construction point, at the end of drafts, I am definitely targeting wide receivers, and I'm targeting some of these guys if I draft their quarterbacks. Like, I I want that stack in the 18th, 19th, 20th round on drafters Mm -hmm. with some of these guys. So, you know, if I go ahead and draft Daniel Jones, um, you know, in the 12th, I'm looking for Darius Slayton. If I get Cam Newen, I know he's going late, but I'm looking at Jacoby Myers. And uh, just for that, like Russell Wilson, Dwayne Eskridge, that's kind of how I'm correlating it. And for me, that's kind of like the the most optimal strategy in the late rounds, because we know wide receivers have, you know, the highest ceiling, the highest range of outcomes out of every position in fantasy. So I like a lot of these guys. If there's one guy that I think should be in a tier or two above is probably Sammy Watkins, um, just because I feel like he's in the same boat as the other Ravens wide receivers, which you have like three tiers or four tiers higher and Marquise Brown and, and Rashad Bateman. Like I'd probably rather have Sammy Watkins in the 19th round than Bateman in the 10th round um, or, or wherever he's going, just because I want the proven veteran asset. He's having a great training camp. Proven? Um, yeah, he, he's shown. I mean, he's shown that he can, he can, you know, go, go out there uh, contribute. I know he had a, a down year last year, but and and he's been a bust. But uh, I'm still willing to bet on his, his talent and the Ravens' offense. So that's just one player that I that I feel like is a little too low. But um, just in terms of ADP, I mean, everybody's consensus like lower than 
uh, market on Sammy Watkins. Yeah, so. no, I agree thoroughly with that take. And I mean, r- reports are pretty flowery about him coming out of Ravens camp. They're saying that he's been one of the most uh, impressive players on the offense. So uh, in terms of ADP, if you're going to talk about Sammy Watkins in the 18th versus Bateman Hollywood in the top 10 rounds, I'm, I'm going Sammy 10 out of 10 times. So I, I definitely agree with that take. I'll just close off with the three players that I'm drafting the most in this range. Uh, it's, it's MVS, like J- James said, he closed out really well and should be the Packers wide receiver too. Like, you know, Joey and I both said, we we think it should be Aaron Rodgers. So I think he's a value right now. Dwayne Estridge uh, is a guy that I, I think sort of fits the mold that James was talking about, about rookie wide receivers with good draft capital that are going completely uh, underlooked. Like T Higgins and Claypool were last year, you know, he went in the second round. Last time Seattle drafted a second round wide receiver, his name was DK Metcalf and he's in the top five now. Um, and, and there's room for targets, especially if we aren't super bullish on Tyler Lockett replicating what happened last year, which I know neither of us are. And the third player that I've really been coming around to lately is Byron Pringle. Now, you know, maybe he's nothing or maybe he's something. Maybe he's the third mm-hmm. option in, in KC because, you know, Nicole Hardman has, hasn't really been it up to this point. So, you know, just with the Mahomes factor, the attachment to Patrick Mahomes, I think he's worth taking a shot on. And his ADP has been steadily rising as well. He was going in the 20th round of, you know, 20 round drafts a couple of weeks ago. And now I'm seeing him in, in the 16th, 17th. Yeah. I, I like Byron Pringle for sure. And I also like Eskridge a lot too, especially if you can get him in the 19th, 20th round. And I just want uh, wide receivers that are attached to great offenses. If you know, you're know you not stacking, I'm taking the shots on Byron Pringle, uh, Dwayne Eskridge, and some of these other guys, um, Emmanuel Sanders that are attached to great quarterbacks, high flying offenses. And I, I think that's definitely the right way to go. So and and just one more thing with Eskridge. I mean, the Seahawks only had three picks in the draft, and, and he was their first pick in the second round. So I think he's going to come in. He's going to play right away on three wide receiver sets. And um, there is also a lot of flowery pieces on the Seahawks. New offensive coordinator changing how the Seahawks um, have been playing their offense over the last couple of years. Maybe trending more towards a uh, pass-heavy offense rather than a run heavy offense that would be a beautiful thing to see all right james final gem can you give us just any insight that you have as as to how we should be used you know going after the wide receiver position as a whole in 2021 best ball tournaments i don't know if a gem but i just, <laughs> I just think just be consistent um kind of look at the news kind of look at adp move guys up and down look at your ownership there's a lot of guys that are very similar situations so i don't think you need to go 40 percent on a player so there's gonna be if you go 40 percent on a player there's probably five other players that are very similar um maybe even some value in them um so you split that 40 percent out you know 10 percent each or however you want to do it um so that's and i think wider receiver builds you're building I don't know if we're talking best ball or redraft or whatever in general, but you want to, you want to have a good core. Uh, you want them to be your key. That seems like people are building 10 wide receiver teams. I don't necessarily think you have to do that. I think you want a little bit more balance, but getting that balance, I don't mind spending a little extra in those middle rounds on wide receivers and maybe kind of letting quarterbacks fall a little bit. I'm finding value a lot in that position. So that's kind of how I'm building my wide receivers, kind of take them a little bit earlier than people are instead of loading up, you know, wide receiver six on with just like a bunch of flyers. So I'm trying to get like my wide receiver six, seven, um, and even wide receiver eight that can, they're a little bit higher 
in, yeah. in in these tiers and sacrificing quarterback a little bit, but also yeah, tight end. So I kind of sacrifice there as well. So you have to say you can't be perfect in every position. So you're just trying to build whatever works with your how comfortable you are with sacrificing in a certain spot. Mm, yeah, I think that's very valid. And gentlemen, that is going to be it for episode 148 of the DFS Dose podcast. If you are not already, make sure you're following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. I am at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. And of course, you can find James at James Brimacombe on Twitter. James, do you want to tell the good people where they can find your content? Uh, yeah, I have a writing right now for football guys. I have been there for a while. So um, I'll get some more rankings up there, updated here shortly. Um, also, I'm on uh, Best Ball Rankings, kind of started my own thing, but uh, look for that next year to really kind of take off. So that's where I'm at. Make sure you guys check out James' stuff. He is one of the sharpest, highest volume best ball players out there. James, thank you for joining the show once again. Thanks, guys. Absolutely, guys. If you're out there listening, just know we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.